We're in part three of a series. Uh, it's called The Ten Principles. Uh, we are talking about the ten principles behind the Ten Commandments. Uh, some of you guys might be familiar with the Ten Commandments. If you're not, in the Old Testament, God gave uh, really his top ten list of, of what people should watch out for and what they should do. Um, so, um, as, as a church, one of the things we love to do, we love to do series. We talk through these ideas that, uh, that we'll work through for uh, a season, uh, for a month or two, and uh, we just we talk, we talk through those. And I thought this would be, for me, this is really exciting because I know growing up in church, sometimes there was this, like, this, this idea that God just didn't want me to have any fun. There's all these rules of do's and don'ts, and more don'ts than anything it seemed like. You know, there's these do's, but the do's weren't that fun, and all the don'ts were like all the things that you really wanted to do, and I just didn't understand and, and I remember there's this, this point in my life where it began to click inside of my mind and my heart uh, that, that God was giving me this something as a commandment for my benefit, not for his benefit. Because uh, I think sometimes we think that, like, well, God just wants to do all this because it's for him. But he said, no, I want to help you on this. And so for the, for the Ten Commandments, this is the third week, uh, we, we're looking at the principle behind the commandment. So he says, don't do this thing or do this thing. But why does he do that? Why, why is he commanding it? Why is he saying it? And so for this series, we're saying, what if we understood the why behind it? It would actually be, we'd actually understand it more, and more likely we'd actually follow it and fulfill it, because then we understand the, the reasoning behind it. And so my heart, the heart for this series is, let's figure out what the, what the purpose is, the why behind each of these commandments. And so we did it. So we said, it's, this is ten relationship principles. Really, if you look at the ten commandments, they're really ten relationship, relationship principles. They're not just do's and don'ts. They're, they're principles that God's given us to enhance our relationships. With him and with others. Like God wants us to have healthy relationships with, with each other, uh, with him, and even with things in our lives. And he's trying to lead us on this journey that we can, we can understand that. And so really the Ten Commandments are all about relationships. I would say that the entire Bible is all about relationships. And he's saying, let me lead you on this so I can give you tools to be able to have a healthy, a healthy life that you would uh, be able to understand uh, how, how things work. And so he gives us these Ten Commandments that are relational, and, and uh, he leads us in that. So week one, we talked about the first commandment, you should have no other gods before me. We said the principle behind that is the principle of priority, that what you pers- put first matters. It, it is so, so important what you put first in your day, in your week, in your life, because whatever you put first, everything else follows and builds upon that. And if it's a faulty first and it's not good, everything else will eventually crumble in your life. So that was week one. Uh, last week, we talked about the principle two was, was, the, was the principle of purity. Uh, God says you should, not, you should not make for yourself any idols or graven images. He's, it's, it's the idea of, of purity, that we need to have uh, purity in our lives. Because here's the thing, is, is they're leaving a land, a pagan land of a lot of uh, worshiping false gods and idols. And they're entering into a new land. So they're leaving Egypt as slaves. They're going into, the, into Canaan, the promised land, where they're going to be free people. But they're going to encounter other people that believe different things. And he's trying to keep them um, away from things that would, 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 would enter in their life that would bring bring something that would be unhealthy. The same way that if you drink something that's impure or you eat something that's not pure, something that has sickness in it, something that's bad, it'll make you sick, physically sick. You'll throw up, you'll get sick, you'll get the runs, right? Um, all those things. And so the same way is when we allow impurities in our lives, uh, relationally, we get sick relationally with God and with others. And that was the principle behind last week is what would that look like um, to have to, to, for us to say, how can I keep my life pure? How can I... Uh, not allow mixtures in my life, that I'm, I'm taking a little bit of God, a little bit of other things that don't work, and trying to mix them because it doesn't work. And so we, said, we talked about it last week. And we said this, that idolatry is where something, anything, takes the place of God. It could be money, it could be sports, it could be whatever, a hobby. Um, and those aren't bad things. A lot of times they're good things. We just, we put too much priority into them, and they take the place of God. And the whole basis for idolatry, we said last week, is it's a lie. It's not real. It's not alive. 
Uh, it's something that we've created in our image and created for what we want for our benefit. And so he said, God doesn't want you to walk in impurity because it affects your relationships. That is why God doesn't want you to walk in impurity, because it affects your relationship with him and your relationship with others. And uh, that was last week. So you can catch up. If you missed those two, uh, you can go. Um, because it, what we do in our life always affects the next generation and those that come after us. So week three, this is the third, the third principle we're going to talk about. I believe the principle behind it is the principle of humility. Um, and, and we'll talk about this when, when, when we get to the, the commandment. Uh, but here's what I want you to know is when God rescued them from slavery, uh, he didn't give them the commandments before and say, all right, get your life together, straighten it all out, and then I'm going to lead you on this journey. He said, hey, something's wrong. Let's get you freed. Let's get you away from that stuff. And then I'm going to give you some tools to be able to stay free so you don't go back to slavery in your hearts and your minds and your lives. I want you to be free. And so he begins to give them tools of how to stay away from being enslaved by culture, enslaved by addictions, enslaved by things that aren't healthy. And so he's trying to give them tools. And so the third principle, uh, trying to know that he, he gave them after the fact. And a lot of times that's how God works with us. We realize something's not right. He says, all right, let's acknowledge, acknowledge this. And then I'm going to start giving you some tools so you can become healthy in your relationships, healthy as an individual, so you can have a good impact in this world. So Exodus 20, verse 7, this is where we find it. The, the third commandment says it like this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Uh, you shall not take the, the name of the Lord your God in vain. So that's the third commandment. Um, and the principle, I believe, is humility, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But before we talk about humility, I want to just point out a couple of things that are, that are, that are happening here. Um, first thing is, I think this is one of the commandments that most people kind of overlook, and it's easy to dismiss as not significant. Like, this doesn't seem like a very significant commandment. Like, yeah, I get killing people. Um, I get having affairs and sleeping around, all that stuff. I get that. That's not healthy. That, that, but, but just saying things with your mouth or taking God's name in vain, like, it just doesn't seem that significant. Uh, but just think about this. The first commandment is about God. The second commandment is about, about idols. The third commandment is about God again. He's saying, this is important. And he listed it a third in his top ten. It's like number three. He's saying, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Uh, so let me stop there for a second. If, um, if you're not a Christ follower, if God is not your God, then in some ways this, it still should matter to you because this is important. Uh, but this is talking to those people who are saying, I am following Christ. I'm following God. Like I, these are, he's telling the people that are that they have the name of God on them. Like, these are the people of God. He's saying, so don't take the name of your Lord, your God, in vain. And, and uh, it, it's, a, it's about relationship. And so if you're not a Christian, you're here, hopefully the next weeks you come, that at some point you'll, you'll begin to trust God with your life and let him lead. Uh, but if you're not, there's some principles here I think you can still learn when it comes to humility and, and talking about how this can make us healthy in our relationships with God and with others. Um, but this, this, I would say, is applying to those that are saying, I've signed up for this. And so if you are a Christ follower, pay attention. If you're not, learn, listen in and learn. Uh, but this is really saying this is important because we're saying that we want to follow God. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's, a, it's, it's that, that important, but it's name number three. Number third. Um, and here's the thing about a name. So you're saying don't take the name of the Lord your God. Uh, the thing about a name is a name is significant. It's related to character and reputation. It's related to somebody's character. It's related to somebody's reputation. If I say the word Adolf, Right away, images or ideas would kind of pop up in your mind, Adolf. If we had Hitler to that, you're like, wow, yeah, that's a very significant name in history. Uh, we don't want to repeat that, right? Um, but it's not the name that's bad. It's the reputation behind that name, right? If I say Teresa, and if I add mother before that, Mother Teresa, you'd be thinking, yeah, pretty amazing lady who gave her life to serve the poorest of the poor. Awesome. Um, it, but it's not the name Teresa, because I know a lot of Teresas who are not motherly or very nice, right? 
Anybody with me? Any Teresa's in your life? You're like, yeah. So it's not the name Teresa. It's the, it's the reputation and character behind who that person was. And so names are important. I can even give you initials, and you'd be like, yeah, that, that's significant. If I said MLKJ, you'd be like, man, yeah, civil rights. Like, this guy gave his life to help uh, bring equality to, to, to our world, right? Martin Luther King Jr., he gave his life. Just initials bring a reputation with them. By themselves, they're just letters, but... When you begin to think of the, the whole, you understand that there's something more to it. Proverbs 22, 1 says like this, that a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So whether you're a Christ follower or not, um, this proverb, it's a proverb of wisdom that says your reputation is more important than what's in your bank account. Like who you are and what people think about you is more important than what you drive or what you wear. It's, it's really important. So everyone in this room, I would say this, this message today is it's, it's significant because if you catch this, um, you will begin to, to have an impact in this world uh, for the better because the principle behind it is helping us to understand that how, how we live, what we say, all these things are important. But your, a name is, is really important. Names matter because there's a reputation. Um, in India, when I was in India, they were talking about crime and stuff, and they said there's not a lot of stealing that happens in India. I mean, they, there's some poor people that they need to. They're, 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 they're going to die if they don't. But for the most part, people don't steal because they understand that in that culture, what you do is tied to honor or dishonor in your family. And it's so important that you don't dishonor your family because if you did something that was dishonorable to your family, it would affect the reputation of your family, which would affect the ability to marry into a different family that's maybe successful or healthy or, or have, have healthy relationships. Because they would say, no, that family are crooks or that family is not good. Um, and so when, when you say that person has a bad name in the community, you're, you're not talking about the kind of name. You're talking about the reputation behind that name. And so over there, they, they understood it's, it's important not to bring dishonor to your family because names matter. Family names matter. Um, it's because it's connected to character. Um, when I was um, probably about 10 years ago, maybe no more, Joaquin wasn't born yet, uh, 13 years ago, uh, we were in Bernalillo. My wife and I were living in Bernalillo and uh, working at a church down there. And um, she worked at a Curves, uh, a women's uh, exercise club. And every, every day after her shift, I would come and pick her up. And so we only had one car, and I would take the car, and I don't want to be the creeper guy that's, like, parked in front of the curves windows, you know, like, hey, guys, hey, good, good job. So I would always park, like, the other way and, uh, and, and looking away from them in kind of a way. And so one day I'm there parked, and I'm waiting for her to finish her shift, and um, I'm reading a book, and I happen to look up, and I see that there's a police car behind me with his lights on. Um, and the moment I look up and see it, I hear a knock on my window, which is never fun when you're not expected to knock on your window, like, ah, you know, and like, and he, he rolls down the window and, and I see him, I see a guy behind him and I look up, I see there's other cops like surrounding my vehicle. I'm thinking, uh, this is not good. And, like pretty soon the helicopters are going to be coming, right? It's like one of those things where like, oh man, this is not good. And so he says, hey, can I have, can I have uh, your, your license registration? I'm like, man, I wasn't even driving and I'm getting a ticket. Like, this, is, this car is fast. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there and, and I'm thinking, all right, well, I wasn't worried because I didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, I, I wasn't, like, afraid. But I was just there. So then, then he gets my license and says, all right, so your name's Eric Matoya. Yes, yes, sir. I need you to step out of the car. And I'm thinking, oh, great. So then they get me spread on the car, and, you know, I'm there, and they're running the things. And uh, since Terry says, all the ladies in the curb, so I wasn't the creeper. They're the creepers. They're, like, at the windows, like, what's going on out there? Who is that creeper? And, uh, and so somebody says, since Terry, I think something's wrong with your husband. Like, is he, everything okay? You guys pay your bills and stuff? Right? Did he do anything wrong? 
And uh, so they're watching, and um, it comes, and, and so get this. They're looking for an Eric Montoya, and I was driving a green Saturn at the time with a green car, right? So Eric Montoya has a green car. Uh, names matter, right? They're, they're significant. I don't know what his middle name was, but it was Eric Montoya and a green car. And uh, they, they thought it was me because I had the car. I, had, I was in, I guess, the area they were looking for the guy. And uh, so it took a long time to finally get my name cleared, like, okay, you're not the Eric Montoya. You have the right they had the wrong name at that time, really, um, but, it, but it, wasn't, it, it was the license plate and something else gave it away. And they said, all right, well, sorry to disturb you. Have a good day. And uh, let us know if you see Eric Matoya. I'm like, I am Eric Matoya. So, um, but it was the wrong guy and it went out. So we understand the importance of names. Names are important. In fact, we'll see this on the news every now and then. We'll get, we'll get you know, uh, mistaken identity. We'll get things that go on because the name is tied to something. And whenever there's something that's not right, watch and we'll fight. Uh, if somebody would say something about my family in school, I remember it was like, no, I'm fighting for the honor of my family. Like, I will fight you to the death here if you're going to dishonor my family, right? Because names matter. We know that they're significant and, and uh, they're important. Uh, because a name is what you are. It's what you do. It's who you are. It's tied to that. There's, there's a reputation that's attached to it. Um, it it's, uh, we could say it's the substance of who we really are. Not just the name, but our reputation, our character. And so uh, they're more than words. So in the Old Testament, when... when God shows up and visits Moses. Um, he, he asks them, he says, all right, my, my people are in slavery. I want to rescue them from slavery. I want you to lead them out. Like, I want to use you as a leader to be the voice. And Moses is like, ah, I don't think so, God. I'm not the right guy. I don't have the right gifts, all that stuff. And he says, no, I want you to. He says, okay, well, if I do this, who do I tell them sent me? And so God says, well, I am who I am. And this is the first name he gives God, is, uh, that he gives Moses. It says, I am who I am. That's his first name, I am. Um, essentially, just I, I, I've always been, I will be, I'll continue to be. It, it's me, I exist, it's, it's I am. And so Moses is kind of confused, like, are we all be like, all right, that doesn't make sense, I am who I am, sent me. They're going to be like, you're crazy. And so he says, just tell them Yahweh sent, sent me to you. And so he gives Moses his name, Yahweh. Uh, it's, it's four letters Y H W H, Yod, He, Va, He. It means he who caused existence. The one that created, it's like the creator, it's the one that caused everything to exist, to being, being there. Um, in, in the Greek, it's called the, the tetragrammaton, it's four letters. Uh, but these four letters are significant. Um, and, and so eventually, like, if, if you look at the Bible, you're going to see all these different names for God. One of the names you'll see is Jehovah. They got Jehovah from this name. Um, Catholic scholars back in the 13th century, they began to, to try to figure out how to spell this, and they ended up changing and adding different letters, but it became Jehovah. The same idea, it's there. Throughout the Bible, you'll see, it'll say the Lord, like capital L. Sometimes it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Like, when it does that, it's talking about Yahweh, like his name, it's the name. It's significant, it's important. And what's, what's really significant about this is, is God actually tells Moses his name. When you don't want to know somebody, do you tell them your name? Like, I'm not giving you any information about me. Like, you're weird, you're whatever. Like, I don't want you to know anything about me. But when you want to know somebody, you're willing to say, my name is, what's your name? And it's, it's the beginning of a relationship. It's the beginning of, of knowing something about the other person. And God gives Moses his name. He's sharing something of himself. He's disclosing who he is. It's, 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 so, it's so he will know him personally, but we can also know him personally. This is what's so significant about the Bible, is God is always saying, I, I want you to know who I am, because my name represents something. It's my character, it's my reputation, and there's something great about it. There's power there, there's, there's authority with it. And throughout, throughout the Bible, we'll see this over and over. It's a, a loving God, a personal God, who cares about people, and says, I, I'm choosing to make myself known to you. I want you to know me. Uh, Leviticus 19.12 says it like this, Do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely. 
There's different ways that we could use the Lord's name vain. Vain just means useless, worthless. It means it doesn't produce anything good. So whenever something, whenever something is vain, or we'll say vanity, it just means it's useless. It's not producing anything that's good. And so when somebody takes God's name in vain, they're actually saying, they're, they're minimizing the power of who he is and his name and the significance. Uh, we're, we're lowering it. So swearing or lying is one way to take it a name. What we say, uh, different ways like that. God, and God says, I will not hold those people guiltless who do. Those that are claiming to, to be my people and to follow me, and they do this, I'm not going to hold them guiltless. Like, they won't go unpunished. There'll be something that, that there's consequences that come with it. I heard one commentary said like this, that when somebody takes God's name in vain, they're actually denying the existence of, he, of, of him. Like, they're denying his existence because they're saying, I'm more important than God because I can use that name for my own benefit. I can, I can use it to curse others. I can use it to express anger or emotion or whatever. And you say, no, there's something significant. And when you do that, you actually profane the name, you actually lower it, and it's not significant. You're taking away the significance, the meaning, because that's not who I am. James 4, 3 says it like this. You do not ask, or you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Even when we pray, we can take God's name in vain, because the idea is this, is that when we're praying, we're actually praying for something for our own benefit, for ourselves, out of selfish motives. And James says, God doesn't answer those prayers, and here's why. Not because he doesn't want to, but because this idea, amiss, it, it, it actually means sick and miserable. Like, you're actually asking for something that will make you sick and miserable, and God knows it. We don't know it. I mean, how many of you guys prayed for that person that you would marry, right? Like, I want to marry that person so bad. And then like 20 years later, you're like, God, thank you so much for not letting me marry that person. They're horrible, right? Because if God answered that prayer, you would be sick and miserable. God, please let me win the lottery. Let me win the lottery. And God's thinking, man, you can't even handle what I've given you now. Why would I give you more? That will only make you sick and miserable. Are you with me? And this is the God, this is what I love about God, is he understands what we need and what, what's going to help us on this journey and those things that will make us sick and miserable. And when we only pray, so, so saying his name in vain, uh, we could pray and take his name in vain praying, but because we're praying these selfish prayers of saying, I'm more important than what you have. Like, everything I want is more important. And because and we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying in God's name, like, in your name I pray these things. And he's saying, no, you're missing it because it's a selfish motive and a selfish prayer. You'll never get those answered. Um, taking God's name in vain is not just about speaking, but it's also about how we live. So it's not just the words you say, which are important. Words, words are important, because we'll talk about what those mean. But it's also about how we live. Um, it's how we live our lives. Uh, Leviticus 18.21 says it like this. Do not permit any of your children to be, offend, to be offered as a sacrifice to Molech, for you must not bring shame on the name of your God. I am the Lord. So he's saying by your actions, you actually bring shame. You actually take God's name in vain by the things you do. Like, so this is a good commandment. Like, hey, guys, don't kill your kids on the altar of Molech. That would be a good idea, right? I mean, agree with me, that's a good commandment. Like, let's not kill our kids to false gods because we want, in this case, it's a, it's a god of sex. Like, because you want more sex. Like, let's not do that. Um, the principle is let's not offer our kids to other things in our lives that are going to bring unhealthiness in our lives. It's not just killing them, but it's bringing things into our families, into our, into our, fam- into our homes, that will actually lead them to death. That will lead them to bad relationships. Principles, they, they overlap there. But he's saying don't do this because it brings shame on my name. Like, what he's saying is, you will look no different than the other nations around you. But here's the problem. You're saying that you're representing me, but you don't look anything different than them. You need, it, you need don't take my name in vain. Don't bring shame on it through your actions. James 1 says it like this. If you claim to be religious or spiritual, have a relationship with God, but you can't control your tongue... You are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. 
So, like, what we say is important. Um, he says this, that pure and general religion in the sight of God is that the Father, the God of the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing the world to let it corrupt you. He's saying, don't let it, don't let it corrupt you. Don't, don't let it take, take over. Uh, don't, don't profane my name by the words you say. And here's what profane means. It just means to treat as common. So when we, um, when we speak profanity, what we're saying is we take that word and we just treat it as common. Even though it's a, maybe a bad word, it's just, it becomes common to us. That's what profanity means. And so he's saying, don't profane my name. Don't, don't treat it as common. There's something different about it. Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's saying we have to reverence this. It's important because we're, we're honoring God. We're, we're, we have a relationship with him as a father, but his name is significant. We need to honor that. Because here's what happens. The mouth reveals the condition of our hearts, and our action shows what we actually really believe. So when you speak something, that's revealing what's there. When anger comes out, it's because anger is there. When you act something out, it shows what you really believe. Like, well, man, I really believe in, in whatever, and then your actions are contrary. It really shows you you don't believe. Like, I think this is healthy, but then you don't do it. Your actions are actually speaking louder than your words, we say, right? It's not the same. So if, the, if, the, if your words and your actions don't line up, then it's not true. You have to learn to have both. And what he's saying here is, okay, taking my name in vain is speaking, but it's also how you live. Like this week, when you live and you're saying, I represent God, are you living in a way that honors him? Or are you being arrogant and the opposite of humility, pride and arrogance of saying, I'm more important than God. So I'm going to use his name to profane. I'm going to use his name to curse others. I'm going to use his name. I'm going to, I'm going to use his name for my own benefit. And God is saying, that's how you take my name in vain. And you need to have humility because humility is going to combat that. Um, so the question is this. Is there a gap between your beliefs and your actions? Like the things you want in life, is there a gap between what you're wanting and how you're acting? For your dreams and your hopes, all these, is there a gap there? If it, if it is, you really don't necessarily want those that bad because you're actually showing what you really want by your actions. And it points usually back to us. Um, Titus says it like this. Titus says, everything is pure to those who are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving. Because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and, and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. In this context, it's not about people that are saying, we represent God but their life doesn't line up with their, with their statement. Like, yes, we are, we're God's representatives, but their life is actually causing more harm. He's saying they deny him by the way they lived. It's tied to purity, which was last week's lesson, that we have to make sure that we don't allow things to begin to overtake our lives, so that we, in, in turn, begin to, to dishonor or take God's name in vain. Um, I remember this, um, uh, well, we'll go on. The one way we take, take God's name in vain is claiming to follow Christ, but not living like Christ. So if you're in this room and you're not a Christ follower, this doesn't necessarily apply to you because you didn't sign up for it. But if you say, I'm a Christian, I'm following Christ, and, and you don't live like him, you're, you're taking his name in vain. You're, you're lessening his name in the community. You're lessening his name in this world. And God is saying, that's not who I am. Please don't represent me in that way. That is taking God's name in vain. Um, and, and the way we combat that is humility. So today we're going to have people that are getting water baptized. Water baptism is a public declaration that says, I am following Christ. I want the world to know that I'm following Christ. First step is saying, God, I accept you in my life. Second step is saying, I want, I want to let people know that I'm getting baptized. It's, it's so significant because what you're saying is, all right, when Jesus died, he went into the grave, right? And, he, he, and then he came back alive. So we're identifying in, in Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. So when we get baptized, we're saying, God, we, we, want, to be, we want to die to the old things, and come up new to the new life that you have for us. 
So it's a declaration. So for those that get baptized, when you say, God, I'm following you, but then you don't live it, that's when you get in danger. And God says you won't go unpunished. Like you're you're going to have negative consequences in your life all the time when you don't represent him well by living a life that's different than that. Now, this last week, we had probably the greatest example of somebody who not only had humility, but didn't take God's name in vain. Now, let me show you a video. It's not often one man is able to move the hearts of nations, to usher change across race and age. But when someone gives their life to a divine calling, amazing things happen. That is the legacy of Billy Graham. Tonight, I'm glad to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ can be received. Your sins forgiven. Your burdens lifted. At age 15, he was invited to hear a man named Mordecai Ham preach at a citywide revival meeting. I was taken by a friend, and I became fascinated. And then the Spirit of God began to speak to me as I went back night after night. And uh, one night when the invitation was given, I just said, Lord, I'm going. From this moment, life would never be the same for Billy. A new passion burned in his heart to see lives changed. He went on to college and began preaching the good news of Jesus to anyone who would listen. It was during those years of academics and Sunday sermons that Billy met Ruth. The young missionary girl raised in China would become his best friend, the true love of his life. And he would be the first to say that without Ruth, his growth as a preacher and evangelist would not have been possible. Word of his powerful message spread quickly. He preached on the stages of concert halls and auditoriums and over the airwaves of radio and television. And soon, people began lining the streets by the tens of thousands just to hear him speak. Before we can have world peace, we must have peace within our hearts. There's only one road to heaven. You say, but if I believe God, isn't that enough? I want to tell you before you leave Madison Square Garden this night of May 15th, you can find everything that you've been searching for in Christ. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. He was a mighty man. The Bible tells us that in spite of our sins and rebellion, that God loves us. As countless people responded to the move of God's Spirit, the demands on Billy seemed constant. But it was Ruth and their children that brought him strength and joy. Their home was a special place where he could simply spend time as a father and loving husband. These moments were precious to Billy. Yes, uh, there is a great sense of loneliness. And if there is a price to pay in this work, uh, it is that, uh, that I'm not with my children. God's calling on Billy's life took him from the largest stadiums to the most remote villages of Africa. He spoke not only of God's forgiveness, but also against the evils of racism, communism, and social injustice in our world. And don't let anybody ever tell you that it's white or black. Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world. He was one of the most sought-after men of this age, turning down the political stage and Hollywood spotlight 
in order to continue his ministry to the lost, weary, and forgotten. His message was unfaltering, remaining true to the gospel and his steadfast faith in Christ. I'm asking you tonight to follow him, to serve him, to let him come into your heart and forgive you. Be forgiven! Know that you're going to heaven. What can be said about one man's life? For Billy Graham, let it be said that he lived his life to bring the lost and hurting to Christ. Are you willing to receive Christ tonight? Because you may never have a moment quite like this again. You come and receive him into your heart and say yes to him. Hundreds of you right now, just get up out of your seat and say tonight, I want my sin forgiven. I want to know I'm going to heaven. I want eternal life. I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to follow him from this night on. Graham passed this last year, uh, this last week, uh, 99 years old. Uh, he's so honored and respected because uh, he was consistent in his life. Uh, he was humble. In fact, I read one of the, one, he said a while back that the first thing he's going to ask God when he gets to heaven is, God, why me? Why did you choose a farm boy from wherever he's from, the Carolina, the, the, the east side? So why me? Did you choose humility? Like, he's like, I, I don't understand this. It wasn't, so, so here's what humility means. Humility is having a healthy view of oneself. All right, it's not it's not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. It's, it's having a, 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 this, this healthy idea of, of, of your importance on this earth. So, so God, you're important to God. He wants you, you are important. But it's not acknowledging that where you say, I'm the most important. I'm more important than anybody. That's pride, that's arrogance. And humility is combating that by saying, I understand my role on this, on this earth. I understand that I'm representing God. We're made in the image of God, the Bible says. That we represent him. We represent him. And one of the reasons a lot of people, they don't connect to God or like God or want anything to do with God is because there's a lot of people in our world who represent him poorly. And I'm not saying Christian. I'm just saying people in general because we are the image of God. Like, like we represent him. And he's saying, I want, I want something different for your life. This, this quote, I love this quote. Um, we are the Bibles the world is reading. Like our lives, they say something about what we believe and who we believe in. And my challenge is this for this week is, is let your words and your actions be feel full of humility. Would you have a healthy view of yourself? And saying, God, I trust you more when I pray and I trust you for, for what you want to accomplish and do in my life. More than I, 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 I trust you that you know the answer more than I know it. In my relationships, in my, in my marriage, in my kids, in my, my work. Wherever it is, I, I trust you more than I trust myself. So this is what God even tells us. Pray when you pray, say, let your will be done. So that we don't put in this clause of saying, it's my will, everything I want. But we're saying, God, I, I pray this and let your will take place here. So I want this. God says, present it. But I always remember that you're saying, but God, let, let your will show up. Because you know what's going to make me sick or miserable. And you know what will actually bring me fulfillment. And when we start living this way, God begins to answer our prayers because we're saying, God, it's not about me. It's about what you want to do in my life and through me. And he says, you get it. You get it. Now you can just trust me on this journey. And let me lead you. Let me help you on this. So don't let there be a disconnect between your words and your actions. One of the things that I love about the name of God, Yahweh, they say when you pronounce it, the Yad, the, the Hey, the Va, the Hey, 
It's it's this it's this this sound of breathing, the sound of breath. Yeah. Hey, fa, hey. This idea that every time we take a breath, we're actually speaking the name of God. Like the name of God is on your on your breath that you speak out. It's the sound of breathing. It's the sound of the one that gives us breath every single day, gives us existence. And he's saying, Don't forget, I am God. There is no other. Don't misrepresent. Don't let me let me lead you on this journey. So he gives the people the, ten, the, the Israelites the Ten Commandments. He's not saying I want to keep something bad from you or something good from you. So I'm trying to keep you from something bad. I don't want you to bend to create things in your life that and that allows pride or arrogance to come in. You begin to think that you're more important than everybody else. That what you want is more important than what everybody else wants. That you begin to live a life of selfishness. And he's trying to combat this by saying. Make sure you know your place in this earth. And I celebrate the life of Billy Graham, but I would, if you would ask him, he would say, it's not about me. My whole life was to point people towards God. And that's what God invites us into. In his journey of faith, his journey of following him, he's saying, would you let your life point people back to me? Because one day, those people won't be able to call on me. It'll, it won't, they won't have that opportunity, but they do now. And if they see something in you, it can help them point back to the goodness of who I am, as God says. Romans 10.13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He quotes Joel, Prophet Joel in the Old Testament. says the same thing. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. The name. It's significant, but we're saying, God, you're God and you have good plans for my life. I call on you. I trust you. I want you in my, in my life. Today, I want to give an opportunity for those in this room. Some of you are here and you've never committed your life to God. Um, you're, you're doing your own thing. You're living your own way. And my invitation today is, would you surrender your life to God? Would you begin this journey of saying, God, I want to follow you. I believe that you sent your son to, to give us this better way of living. And I want to, I want to be a, a follower of that way. I want to become a Christ follower, a Christian. And if you're in this room today and you would like to pray that, I would love to leave you in this prayer. For others of you in this room, you've, you've maybe at some point had that relationship or you, you wanted that and you've kind of walked away and you would even say, I don't represent God well. I've been taking his name in vain by the way I live. And today you need to say, God, forgive me. I repent of that. Help me to live a life that brings you honor and glory. Not just my own thing, but you do your will in my life. Just do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we pray. Uh, if that's you today and you would like to pray this prayer, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you in your seat where you're at. But, it, but it's a step of faith. Everything in the Bible, every part of the journey, it's always a step of faith for people to saying, would you trust me? The people of Israel had to walk through the, through, the, through the water on dry ground because they had to believe that God wasn't going to allow the water to crush them. It's a step of faith. And today he's saying, would you take that step of faith of saying, I trust you in my life. God, forgive me. See, the Bible says that those who call upon name will be saved. That if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord in our lives and believe that he rose in the, from the grave, we'll be saved. Because the belief and the confession from our mouth and our heart and our actions that actually are saying, God, we believe we did what you did for me. So if that's you today, would you do me a favor? Would you lift your hand and let me know you're here? Right now, just say this to me. And the most important thing is as you raise this, you're saying, God, I need your help. God, I want your help. I can't do it on my own. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? If you're a, a Christian in this room, would you pray with us if they're not praying alone? 
Would you say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my wrongdoing. Help me to live a life that pleases you. I believe you died on that cross in my place. And I believe you're alive today. Would you come be my God? Lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate those that prayed the prayer today?